This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Did you see that look on Mary's face? (laughs) You want me to have my baby where? Yeah. Well, I hope that the, uh, the little video clip really points out to you what I think is obvious, that uh, as human beings, when we produce something that's great, we want everybody to know. We want to announce it and in a bold and a loud and a way that no one can miss it. Or when somebody of importance, whether it be the queen or the president or another dignitary, a celebrity, uh, when they are in your presence, everybody is supposed to know. And uh, it is announced with lots of fanfare, uh, was a pomp and circumstance. Uh, It's a big deal. And yet today, as we read in Luke chapter 2, there's a different kind of announcement. And it's done in a much, much different way. But what we're going to see in our passage this morning um, is that it reflects the heart of God for you and for me. And as we look at this passage... We understand that it is good news for all people. And that it's intended to be shared with all people. And as it's shared, every time the story is told, those who listen this morning, you and I, receive an invitation from God to enter in to that story. Uh, That's the theme that we're using in Advent. It's called um, Reliving Nativity. And this morning, God is inviting you and me to a different place, a place without the fanfare, without the noise, a place that's much more quiet, uh, a sacred place, a place where He wants us to encounter Jesus and encounter him in a way that the angels that are present in this uh, nativity painting did or the shepherds or Mary and Joseph uh, the wise men we're going to get to next week Um, but God invites us to encounter him uh, in a different way uh, not in a worldly way because you see at Christmas time there's so much activity in and around the birth narrative, the nativity story, isn't there? Lots of activity uh, around it. And those who are active around it uh, extract the, the good and the warm and the real feeling parts of it. And uh, they incorporate it into a, a culture-wide celebration um, that bears Jesus' name, but in reality often has very little to do with the reality of who he is and the message of Christmas. And so this morning, as we relived Nativity together, we're invited 
And I'm inviting you to enter into this scene. And we're just going to leave this up throughout the message because I'm going to be talking about um, the various participants in that, that first Christmas and see if you and I can't identify if there's something for you and I here in the story as we join them and we enter into it. But I want to begin uh, with a quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He was a Lutheran pastor in, in Germany uh, during the rise of Hitler and Nazism. And uh, he uh, stood firm and ultimately uh, was martyred uh, for his faith and for his opposition to Hitler. But this is what he has to say. A couple of thoughts about Advent, I think, that really helps center us for where we want to go this morning. He says, We have become so accustomed to the idea of divine love and of God's coming at Christmas that we no longer feel the shiver of fear that God's coming should arouse in us. We're indifferent to the message, taking only the pleasant and agreeable out of it, and forgetting the serious aspect that the God of the world draws near to the people of our little earth and lays claim to us, to you and to me. The coming of God is truly not only glad tidings, but first of all, frightening news for everyone who has a conscience. Only when we have felt the terror of the matter can we recognize the incomparable kindness and love of what God has done for us. Then he goes on to say that the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, who look forward to something greater to come. For these... It is enough to wait in humble fear until the Holy One comes down to us, God in the child in the manger. God comes. The Lord Jesus comes. Christians, rejoice. And so as we begin this morning, we begin with that fear in that awe, the the candle we lit this morning is the candle of wonder. And of course, as we read through that birth narrative in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, the shepherds uh, are tending uh, their flocks, and suddenly an angel appears, and the angel comes with a message uh, to announce uh, the birth of Jesus. Jesus is God incarnate. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And as the uh, angel uh, announces the birth, uh, the angel says it's going to be good news for all people. Good news for all people. So the story starts with wonder, doesn't it? An angel appearing to lowly shepherds. It's ironic, isn't it, that the shepherds would have been excluded from, from worship uh, because of the nature of their job. They were unclean. Uh, not only that, the one whom God had sent an angel to testify to so that they may testify to others and bear witness, again, 
according to Jewish law, they would not be able to bear witness in Jewish law courts. How ironic, isn't it? We already see God doing things differently than how maybe you or I would have done it. And we see a distinct difference in God's ways and the way of humanity. Not only that, the, the shepherds, they would have been tending the flock in, in the, the terrain, the hills between uh, Jerusalem and Bethlehem. It's not a, a large distance, but uh, the animals there, the flock, the sheep that they would have been tending to, all of them would have been subject to use in ritual sacrifice in the temple. And so here are the shepherds, the lowly ones, the excluded ones, uh, the ones that are out in the night tending their flock, that the angel of the Lord comes to to announce the birth of the one Lamb, the Lamb of God, who all those other sheep in ritual sacrifice are intended to foreshadow or, or point towards. The one living, true sacrifice that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ. And so, to the shepherds who are tending the flocks, the angel announces the birth of the Lamb of God. And then there's an invitation that they would be invited to tend and to be present there at that birth scene where Mary and Joseph are waiting with Jesus in the manger. And what we see here in the shepherds really gets to the question, I think, that Bonhoeffer's quote stimulates as we really think about it. If God in Christ came to lay claim to you and to me, then the question is this. Are we living as those whom God has lame claim to? Do you see that? We see in the shepherds, those who... who are responding. And in their response, we get a, an example, a model of what it means to live as those whom God has laid claim to. Uh, the first thing is that they're very humble. Uh, they're lowly people. Uh, they don't see themselves as greater than they should. And culturally, they're in the lower part of the caste system. And so, they are poor. They are desperate. They are needy, and they know that they are. And so news from God is good news. And an invitation to respond to God's message and to go and to see the birth of the Savior is one in which they humbly accept. You see, the message of Christmas will be all about us these next couple of weeks. But the question is, do we really see ourselves as poor? And needy? Do we really see ourselves as ones who are in need of a Savior? Or is He for others who need such things? You see? The shepherds were humble and they responded with a humble heart. But as they responded, what did they do? They went to where God was leading them. And if we're going to respond, if we're going to live as people whom God has lain claim to, we too must do the same thing. We, we must be humble people. We must acknowledge uh, our need for a Savior. And then, like the shepherds, we must be obedient and go where God sends us. 
go where God sends us. And of course, the shepherds went. And the shepherds went to that place where Jesus was born. And when they got there, it was just as the Lord had told them. And of course, they went out and they told others about what they had experienced. And so not only were they humble, not only were they obedient to go where God had sent them, but then they were faithful to be a witness. And so there are three things we see in the shepherds. We see humility, we see obedience, and we see those who are willing to testify to give witness to the reality of who Jesus is and that God is faithful and that God is true to His Word. He's trustworthy, that you and I can trust Him, that we can count on Him. And of course, the the nature of Jesus' birth, that uh, He would be born in in Bethlehem, that, of course, was um, what Micah had foretold. And then that he would be born uh, of a virgin. Uh, then, of course, we're familiar with Isaiah's writing. And so Jesus is uh, the fulfillment of what the prophets had foretold. Isaiah 7.14, Micah 5.2. And so they are humble, they are obedient, and they go and they give witness and they testify. Those are the shepherds. They are living as those whom God has laid claim to. And then, of course, there's Mary and Joseph. We know about them, don't we? That young couple betrothed, and that betrothal period would have been for a year, typically. And that was a a legal binding agreement. Um, It held the same weight as marriage in as much as if you wanted to break a betrothal, you, you had to formally go through divorce proceedings. But the difference was in the betrothal period, the engagement period, they weren't living together, uh, nor was the relationship physically consummated. And it was during this time that Mary is told that she's going to be with a child through the Holy Spirit. And of course, ultimately her response is, hey, I'm willing to do whatever the Lord wants me to. And then Joseph, you can only imagine, here's his bride. right? And he's told that she's with child. Well, ultimately, he too is told by an angel that that child is going to be the Messiah, the Savior. And that that Mary is pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And so as this is going on, you have this young couple. And of course, originally, Joseph decides that, well, unlike the day of Moses where a woman who would get pregnant during a betrothal period or be found to have been unfaithful would be stoned, okay? During this time, typically, there could be a trial. She could be um, publicly embarrassed and exposed and essentially ruined for life. Or, as he chose to do, he wanted to quietly just dismiss her and move on. And that gives you a sense of the heart of Joseph, the kind of man that he was. The heart of Mary, the kind of woman that she was. And yet, they're thrust in the middle of, of, of this drama that's unfolding. And God has chosen to 
to work through them to bring salvation to the world, to bring that good news. Now, I don't know about you or me, but I might be tempted to say, Lord, what are you thinking about? Don't you know you're interrupting my plans? This isn't how I thought things were going to work out. Have you ever had that thought before in, in dealing with the Lord, with your own life? When things take a twist or a turn that's unexpected, and you're left to say, God, this isn't what I thought. How could this be? And yet, in the midst of all of that, they yield. And like the shepherds, they are humble. They're obedient. And their lives become one of witness to the birth of Christ, the Savior. Amazing. And so, we see the trait again. We, we see the, the humility. We, we see the obedience. And we see the the witness, the testimony to the greatness of God and to His work, even in this case with the two of them, when it's really inconvenient. And then there's Jesus Himself. There He is, the King of the world, God incarnate, surrounded by a court of animals, laying in a manger. Now, Can you imagine the humility of God, the sovereign creator, coming to earth in flesh, being born with barn animals? Look in the manger there. Can you imagine the smell, the stench? That's God. who's wanting to lay claim to us. So much so that in the incarnation, incarnation, He identifies with us and our humanity. That's the Savior of the world. Now, as I'm looking at that picture, I'm thinking to myself that the reality of what that actually was, um, that that picture misses, doesn't it? Um, The fact of being giving birth in that, in that location with the barn animals, the smelly straw, uh, the stench of animal waste. Uh, but you know what it reminds me? It reminds me that our God will go anywhere to reach fallen humanity. If you ever see yourself in a situation where you feel like, man, I'm really in some deep stuff. I'm in a nasty, smelly, dirty place. Maybe you feel that way about yourself or things that you've done. Guilt that you hold on to. Something that's haunting you from your past or even right now in your present. You know what that tells me? That tells me that God loves us so much that He's willing to go there and meet us there. Man, isn't that good news? That's good news for all people. Again, what do we see in Jesus? In His birth, in His life, in His death for you and I? We see humility, don't we? (laughs) Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 2 beginning in verse 5, he says, 
in your relationships with one another have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And of course, we know him as the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, don't we? And being found in the appearance as a human being, he humbled himself not only to be born in a manger, but to death on a cross, by becoming obedient to death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place to give him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in, in earth and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And of course he came, but what did he come to do? He came to do the will of the one who sent him. So he was humble, he was obedient, and he came to give witness to the truth. He is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And so in that child who grows to be our Savior, we see that same humility. We see that obedience and we, we see that, that witness, that testifying to God's truth. And so the question for you and for me as we consider these things. Um, are we going to live like people that God has laid claim of? Are we going to celebrate around the birth of Jesus? Or are we going to enter in? Are we going to find ourselves present and available like the shepherds, like Mary and Joseph, like like Jesus himself. And if we do so, we're making a decision, aren't we? To be humble. Because it requires humility to join this group. To enter in, to relive that nativity. It requires obedience to, to go and to be and to do what God has called us to do. And ultimately, to be His witnesses to testify to the wonder, to the awe of God and His great plan of salvation. John, in 1 John, giving testimony, says this, That which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the Word of life. Speaking of Jesus. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. See that? 
that those first followers of Jesus testified to what they had seen, what they had heard, what their eyes had beheld, what they had touched with their own hands. Jesus is real. His incarnation is a historical fact. And he's still touching lives. And the question is, are we going to be humble to enter in and relive nativity? Are we going to find our place there? Are we going to be obedient to go and to do what God would have us do wherever that is? And are we going to be witnesses? Jesus is God entering humanity. And in doing so, He is the definitive revelation of God. He is the definitive event of salvation history. And He is the definitive source of all life. That you and I would come and adore Him. And that in awe and wonder, we would relive nativity. And that you and I would join the heavenly host. Past, present, and future. And declaring good news to all people. And together we declare, as Paul writes in Philippians, that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all to the glory of God the Father. Let's recommit to the wonder of reliving nativity. The worship team would come on up. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the awesome, awesome, awesome opportunity to to live as those whom You have laid claim to. And in doing so, Father, that we would be humble, that we would be obedient, and that we would be Your witnesses, that we would declare the good news for all people, that this Advent we would not be guilty of living around the story, but we would enter in and live as the people that You have called us to be. Thank You for the gift of Your Son, Jesus. Thank You for the free gift of salvation. Thank You for new life that is found only in Him. Lord, our hearts declare His glory this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.